um, you know, just taking a look at the Metropolitan Division standings. Uh, kind of one of the first times I really took a look at it this season. It's not something I put stock into pretty much until around this time of the year. Uh, I had to check it about 16 times to see the Flyers sitting there in second place with 40 points. Uh, a team that pretty much everyone thought was going to be bottom of the league this year. So they're playing well, uh, but that's a good sign to show that um, anything can happen. Uh, and you want to keep putting your, your foot on the gas here and make sure you're playing solid every night. Hey everybody, welcome back to another episode of Blue Shirts on Broadway. This is episode number two. Uh, a lot to get to this week. Uh, we had three games that occurred between the last time we recorded and this time. Uh, it's also Christmas week, so a little bit to do with that too. Um, and let's dive right into it and uh, start looking at some game notes. So... The boys played on Saturday against Boston last Saturday. Um, you know, they were coming off a game against Anaheim in which they looked pretty good, uh, but it wasn't a game that, you know, the Rangers had to win against Anaheim. So a uh, bigger test against Boston, who's up there for, you know, the lead in the Eastern Conference and kind of, um, you know, on par. It's one of those peer-tier games uh, against the Rangers that you kind of can use as a measuring stick to see how good you really are. Uh, the big story coming into the game was uh, Shesterkin not playing uh, up to par, uh, kind of looking for his game a little bit, trying to figure, uh, figure some things out um, while Jonathan Quick was uh, in goal and kind of stabilizing the team a little bit the previous couple of weeks. Uh, Igor, you know, kind of has some time to delve into things, uh, work with Benoit Lair, the goalie coach, uh, and kind of start to rebuild his game a little bit, get his confidence back. Uh, and that's kind of the storyline that everyone was looking for going into the Boston game uh, last Saturday. So Igor did play well in that Boston game. I thought, you know, he didn't have to make the crazy saves, you know, those uh, Henrik Lundqvist-esque saves, but uh, he did earn his start again in Toronto uh, the next game after the Boston game on Tuesday, um, and I thought he put in a good performance. He made the saves when he had to. Uh, it was a tight checking game. It was a tight game. It was a playoff-style game um, in which the score kind of indicated both teams were in the game, uh, and no one was the the run of play was kind of equal. Uh, both teams had a chance to win. Both teams played well, and it was a good measuring stick test for the Rangers. Um, I thought the team played super well defensively, five on five. Uh, they were kind of tight. You saw five in the picture at all times, as some of the professional analysts like to say. And uh, that kind of means you're all working off each other. You're all kind of reading off each other. You know where you're supposed to be and you're in position. Uh, that's kind of the signs of a good system, a good defensive team. 
uh, similar to, you hate to say it, but similar to some of those Islander teams in the, the early to mid-2010s, uh, uh, you know, you kind of compact uh, back through the neutral zone into the defensive zone, and you're kind of defending as five, where all the forwards are back in the picture, uh, kind of doing the intangible things, you know, checking um, and marking your, uh, your man as you defend. So... I thought that was also a good takeaway. Um, there was a lot of back checking. You saw, you know, Zabanajad and Panarin all back checking, uh, all doing the little things that you need to win. Defense leads to offense. Um, you know, not getting a ton of uh, turnovers. Um, you know, you see sometimes this team likes to get a little east to west happy, which we'll get to in a little bit. So it's good to see against a team like Boston, you know, you're not trying to turn the puck over and have it go back the other way. Boston's not the strongest of teams on the odd man rush, but you still want to limit those chances and play sound crisp hockey where you're making good passes, you're making good reads. Uh, and that kind of leads back to your defensive scheme. The less you turn the puck over, the easier it's going to be to defend because you will have players back and in position. I thought also the fourth line stood out quite well to me. Um, someone else that stood out that's not on you know the fourth and even the third line is Trocheck. Uh, I thought his you know air quotes greasy game uh, led to some very quality moments. Um, he was super noticeable uh, in the offensive zone, kind of getting below the goal line behind the net and uh, digging pucks out which is kind of what you need for two playmakers on your line with uh, Lafreniere and Panarin. Uh, you, need some, you need someone that's going to go to the dirty areas, going to dig pucks out. I thought Trocek looked incredibly well with his game um, on Saturday against Boston. Uh, and it was all kind of led by that fourth line of Goodrow, Vizi, and uh, Pitlick. Uh, they kind of, you know, pushed play in the offensive zone. They had a couple of strong chances, uh, and that kind of led over into the entire week. I thought that fourth line um, kind of drove the possession play in the offensive zone, kept Boston's top line defending instead of attacking, uh, and obviously that's going to make for an easy time to defend against them if you're defending in the offensive zone. Uh, they also came away with some key chances. Um, they were, you know, they kind of showed the way for the rest of the team. I think you kind of see it when this team is playing well, that fourth line kind of leads the way and shows the team, oh yeah, we can play this hard style of hockey where you're forechecking, uh, you're putting pressure on behind the goal line, uh, and you're kind of cycling the puck and keeping the puck in the offensive zone uh, and leading to chances. You've got to get the puck to the net and you've got to have somebody crash in the net in the blue paint uh, to poke that puck home. Uh, or at least get the opportunity to, to, to do that. And I think that fourth line kind of leads the way for some of the rest of the players um, to you know kind of get that fancy out of the game. Uh, they did tend to have some of those east-west passes, specifically uh, later in the game into the third period uh, against Boston. But like I kind of said earlier, Boston's not the strongest of the teams. Uh, on the odd man rush, yeah, they have a couple players that can, but they're they're not a team like New Jersey or Carolina where they'll they want to play that game. 
Boston's more of a traditional, you know, five-man unit, go attack the offensive zone, uh, go cycle the puck, go dig it out. Uh, they're a bigger, heavier, heavier-bodied team, uh, kind of that playoff-style team, uh, where it it didn't really hurt you too much to try some of those fancier seam passes, but at the end of the day, Boston is a very strong defensive team, and you just got the sense that some of those passes were never going to connect. Uh, you keep trying to do it in the offensive zone. I know Panarin's really good at making that seam pass. Um, sometimes you've got to notice that the other team is defending it pretty well, and there's got to be another option. You've got to rim it around or you know dump it down low and have somebody go get it, like Trocheck, um, which you know s- seemed to be working pretty well. So you don't want to try it every time, but y- you do have to mix it up there. And I think they did a pretty good job. There were still probably too many times where there was an east-west pass instead of maybe trying to put a puck on net, get a rebound, have somebody crash in the net. But overall, um, that was a really solid game. I know Truba after the game pretty much indicated that um, it was probably his most satisfying win. You know, he likes playing that hard nose, tight-checking style of game. Um, you get that sense from Goodrow and VZ too. They're really engaged. Um, VZ specifically had a ton of chances in that Boston game. Uh, being a Boston kid, you know, he's got to love coming back and playing that game in Boston Garden. And, um, yeah, it, it was really noticeable. So it, it was a great game all around from from everyone up and down the lineup. Uh, gave Igor some of that confidence again going into the Toronto game on Tuesday in Toronto um, to kind of keep it going. Uh, speaking of that Toronto game, that was a 5-2 win. Um, I have in a note here that it was a full team win. Again, kind of like the Boston game, uh, everybody was pitching in. It wasn't just a one-line effort. Um, you know, that fourth line, again, led by Goodrow and VZ, just looked dynamic. Uh, they kept that Austin Matthews line pretty much pinned in their zone, except for one or two chances. Um, and that's kind of what you need. You, Like I said earlier, you want to defend in the offensive zone. So um, I thought that was a really strong performance from uh, VZ and Goodrow. Um, even, you know, Benino coming back after having an illness last week. Um, those guys are playing well, and you need that. Um, you need that intangible player to continue to lead the team, uh, especially, you know, coming later in the season and playoff time. Those are kind of the players that win you playoff series. So to see them kind of thriving in this uh, Laviolette system, they're thriving in that four-checking role. It's nice to see, uh, compared to last year and the year before, where you have different lines with different dynamics that you can throw out there and give teams a little bit of a different look. You've got that Zibanejad line, that first line, um, their playmaking line. But you also have that dynamic of Kreider's speed and size uh, that kind of can change the game. Then you throw out the Panarin line with Lafreniere. Again, they have speed and skill, not so much size. Trocek brings that a little bit, but... um, you know, they kind of push the play. They'll try to make that pretty play. Um, they'll sacrifice some odd man rushes coming back the other way with some of those seam passes, but uh, it's kind of a high-risk, high-reward kind of line. And then you've got the third and fourth line, which are kind of interchangeable. They both play somewhat the similar style of just grind you down, 
uh, defensive lines, checking lines, but they'll go in and forecheck. Um, they'll cycle the puck around, and they'll make it hard on the other team. They'll crash the net. Uh, they'll take the puck to the net. They'll make sure defenders know that they're on the ice, and that's all you can kind of wish for with a third and fourth line. Um, make life difficult for that other team. You, you see it coming back against the Rangers a lot, um, specifically in some of those Metropolitan Division teams where they'll make life a living hell for you if you, you're not on top of your game. So it's nice to see the Rangers have that in that third and fourth line. Um, and those are going to be really important for this team going forward Uh and, you know, hopefully into a playoff run uh, where these guys are clicking and you can throw those different lines out against different matchups, um, you know, whoever you play, um, to make sure that you're defending well, checking well, but also pushing the pace of play. Uh, so for that Toronto game, uh, Igor did get the start again. Uh, I thought he made big saves when he had to. He looked pretty confident. He was, you know, moving around in the crease pretty good. Um wasn't trying to overextend himself too much uh, and, you know, just making the play that's in front of you. And that's kind of important. You can kind of see he's been working with Benoit Lair a little bit. Um, he's getting some extra work in in practice and just trying to feel better about himself. And I think the Boston and Toronto games in particular um, should help him on his way to do that. Uh, but again, it's a, it's a whole team effort. So Igor only looks as good as the defense does in front of him. It's it's obviously hard to stop the puck when you're getting odd man rushes or you're getting deflections and tips or, you know, they're jamming at the front of the net. But Igor did what he had to do. Uh, he made the saves when he had to make the saves. Uh, and, you know, this Rangers team pretty much shut down the uh, Toronto team that came into their building a couple weeks ago and put a seven spot on them. So uh, it's good to see. And, um, you know, it's a confidence builder going in the right direction. Uh, again, fourth line led the way with uh, VZ and Goodrow forechecking, um, playing hard in the offensive zone, kind of set the tone for the team, set the tone the right way. Uh, you don't start out by making those cross-seam passes in the offensive zone with the first line, but you get the fourth line out there. They're jamming at pucks. They're, they're getting below the goal line, um, and they're just setting the tone for the team. The team sees, oh, yeah, this is going to work. This is how we're going to play tonight. And... It's a good start in the right direction. You can kind of see where this team wants to be headed. There are still some times where they pass up a ton of shots, um, specifically those top two lines. They they still don't get the puck to the net quite as much, but you know they're looking for that high-risk, high-reward play, which you can't fault them for. Uh, you just wish that sometimes they change it up and try something different to give the other team a different look. And I think that's what you do with this third and fourth line. You throw them out there, and it does give them that different that different look to defend. They're a little more rugged. They're not the biggest of third and fourth lines um, comparatively around the league, but they, they have the heart uh, that you need to go in the corners, dig pucks out, uh, cycle pucks around, and get them into the slot area, have somebody crashing the net. Um, and I think VZ in particular has looked really good uh, in front of and around the blue paint and just kind of jabbing at pucks and bringing pucks to the net, bringing, you know, pucks and defenders and, you know, challenging goalies. Uh, and that's kind of what you want to see. And that's kind of what I want to see out of Kreider too, right? Uh, he used to do that earlier in his career. You know, he would take the puck 
from pretty much the red line um, down that left-hand wing and cut in right around the circles uh, and take the puck to the net. And there was a time there where Kreider would even, you know, stop just short of the hash marks and take that big slap shot, caught goalies off guard. And you would like to see some of that happen again. And um, hopefully, you know, taking cues off of this third and fourth line of just jamming pucks, bringing pucks to the net. Um, I thought it's made the first line of Wheeler, Zibanejad, and Kreider look better because they've started to get some of those intangibles back in. Kreider has started to play that way again where he's, you know, hitting guys below the goal line, trying to turn pucks over, um, and just kind of making the right plays, uh, which has opened up Zibanejad into some playmaking. Uh, and Wheeler's there, uh, who's also a greasy guy, kind of like Trocek, where he likes being around the front of the net. And um, when he gets his opportunities, he's going to put him in, which you've started to see over the last couple of weeks. So I think it all starts with that fourth line playing, you know, playing hard, um, and the rest of the team has kind of followed suit, and it's it's really encouraging to see. It's a good brand of hockey to be playing. It's not the run-and-gun style. They don't need to play that. They can, but they don't need to. It's more of a playoff-style hockey that this team's playing, um, and it's only going to serve them well going forward. May not win you all the games right now in the regular season with teams you know like Arizona, like um you know, some of those other lower level teams, not saying they're bad teams, but that's kind of their style of hockey is playing run and gun style. Um, you know, you may not win all those games right now playing a playoff style hockey, but when you're playing teams that know how to win in the playoffs, like Boston, like Toronto, um, you can kind of see it come out of the Rangers, uh, and, you can kind of see how well they play against those type of teams. And those are measuring stick games, which is, you know, all I'm concerned of as a fan is looking and seeing how they're playing against teams like that, like the teams they're going to see in a long playoff run. Also in Toronto, I thought Cooley looked great. Um, You know, as a rookie, he's playing well. He's playing his minutes as a third line player. Um, That's kind of his style of game. He's a big kid. Uh, he likes to play a big brand of hockey. Uh, he likes to make the hit, uh, turn pucks over, and you know take the puck to the net. I think um, watching VC do it, uh, he's learning more and more every day of how to do that at the NHL level. He scored well in the AHL level, um, and it's only going to serve him well to keep continuing to play that brand of hockey. And... Um, keep learning as he goes here. Also out of that game, I thought the Gustafson and Schneider pairing um, are doing a really good job as a third pair. They probably shouldn't be a third pair, but on this team they are. Um, I don't think they get as much credit as they deserve. However, um, you know, as, as a defensive pair, the less you're noticed, the better you're probably playing, especially as a third pair. The less you notice your name on the uh, or in the uh, announcer's voice, the um, you know less egregious your mistakes probably are. But Gustafson and Schneider are also an offensive pair. They're they're playing well. Schneider's had a ton of good looks lately. Uh, he finally cashed in here uh, in the Toronto game, um, and. 
yeah, he's he's been crashing the net. Um, you see him down in the blue paint, getting uh, getting pucks to the net, taking pucks to the net, and uh, I think he's starting to get more comfortable in this system with uh, Phil Housley kind of working with him. Uh, he's throwing the body a little bit more. He's making better plays with the puck, um, and he's making offensive reads that are um, outstanding right now. I think he's one of the better offensive defensemen. Um, in the past couple of weeks here on the team of just, you know, making the right reads, taking what's given to him. And, you know, he makes that incredible goal. Um, it's almost Keandre Miller like goal where he just takes the puck right to the net and reads it correctly um, and takes that jump. So I think the Gustafson Schneider pairing is a little bit underrated. They're playing uh, incredible defense and, you know, they're, they're getting their looks and, and Gustafson's always going to look good. He's, you know, playing out on the um, on the second power play unit, so uh, he's definitely going to get his offensive looks too. And what a great pickup that was in the off season. Um, I think that kind of steadied the the defensive grouping there. Um, there were definitely a lot of options out there, but Gustafson was one that was flying under the radar a little bit. Um, people weren't really sure what that pickup was going to be. Um, I think that might have been one of their biggest pickups in the off season for sure. Uh, finally, from the Toronto game, uh, you can kind of notice um, face-offs are becoming a huge deal for this team. Uh, looking at some of the stats, in 2015, the team was uh, 49% on their face-off percentage. Uh, that was the Elaine Vigneault era, where, for me, it was the last time I remember them running um, face-off zone plays, uh, where... You know, you would have set plays coming off of the face-off, and that was also kind of the last time the team was really good at face-offs. If you kind of look past that, in 2019, they were 47% on face-offs, and in 2021, they were 44% on face-offs. This season, they're running right now at a 55% clip, which is one of the best in the last 10 years for this team. And it kind of shows. You can kind of start running some of those face-off plays again because you know you're you have a good chance of winning them when you're when you're only winning 44% of your faceoffs you're more worried about all right we're going to lose this one how are we going to defend it now you kind of flip it to winning 55% of your faceoffs you're going to say all right we're definitely going to win this especially when trochek's on the ice uh, what are we going to do with it so you're starting to see them kind of get more offense off of the um Faceoffs, especially in the offensive zone, you've seen a couple of goals coming right off of faceoff wins, or you know, within the first ten seconds of a faceoff, which is uh, encouraging to see. It gives the team another dynamic to use, especially on the power play, um, and kind of starting uh, plays in the offensive zone. You kind of stay there, and you can cycle the puck and make teams defend a little bit more in their offensive zone, and you're getting second and third looks um, just because you're winning that face-off in the offensive zone. So it's a good trend. Uh, it's something this team has sorely been missing, and you're starting to see, especially Trocek, uh, winning those face-offs at a pretty good clip. Uh, you're starting to see what they liked about him uh, and why they signed him to that long-term deal as you know your hopeful second-line center. Um Hard to see where Heedle fits in if and when he gets back, um, but I think Trocek has definitely started to show that he is that second-line center that you were looking for, um, especially since he is you know winning those face-offs and driving offensive zone play. 
And then finally, you bring it to Friday night against uh, Edmonton. Um, you know, that's kind of a throwaway game. Uh, the team kind of didn't look super energetic. Um, it was a lot of east-west passing. You can kind of see that creeping back in. It almost looked like a game that you would see last year um, under Gerard Gallant. Um, it, it just kind of looked like one of those games where the team thought, oh, we're just going to show up and win tonight. Um, wasn't exactly the case. Uh, this Edmonton team is pretty strong. Their record is a little bit deceiving. Uh, they had some early season issues, but they kind of did the same thing two nights ago in New Jersey. Uh, they were trailing going into the third period and rattled off, I forget what it was, three or four goals. So um, not a one-time thing for the Edmonton team. Uh, but the Rangers definitely had to defend better there. They had to... Um, they didn't look as determined as they did uh, Tuesday against Toronto where, you know, all four lines were rolling. They were playing north-south style hockey. They were taking the body. They were playing good, sound defensive hockey, uh, even defensively well in the offensive zone. And there were points against Edmonton where I thought the team looked really good. They got set up in that 1-3-1, specifically uh, late in the first period and pretty much throughout the second period. Um you know, they were defending well. They weren't giving Edmonton much, uh, but Edmonton doesn't need much to start rolling. And once they got that first goal, uh, the team kind of just never really recovered. Not sure if uh, they just ran out of steam there a little bit. Probably shouldn't have. But it just looked like a kind of disinterested kind of game where, you know, you're doing all those good things Saturday and Tuesday against Boston and Toronto. You come back home. Um, you know, the last home game was against Anaheim where you didn't really have to do too much to win, but the game before that was against Toronto where you get rolled. So, uh, kind of a trend there where you're, you're one and two in your last three home games, um, and you don't look very good in two of them. So kind of something the team wants to fix now, um, get that energy back. They've been a really solid home team, uh, and you keep rolling. Uh, you know, not too much positive to go out of that Edmonton game that, uh, except, you know, that first goal where Zibanejad kind of tips it behind the goal to Wheeler out front. That was a pretty sweet play, and you kind of saw it on Wheeler's face. Uh, as he's celebrating, he's, you know, kind of making that, holy crap, what did you just do kind of look. So, uh, you know, it, it is what it is. It's one of those games where you, you kind of take some of the positives out of it. Uh, didn't go your way. Edmonton's a good team. Um, and you kind of just take the positives and move on. Uh, you move on quick, quick turnaround Saturday night against Buffalo, uh, where you want to put it behind you. You want to play a solid 60 minute effort. Uh, this team has done it. They've done it for most of the season. Um, but they do creep back in every so often where you have that period. Um, specifically, it's been lately where they don't start off well. Uh, I thought they started this game against Edmonton very well. Um, but, you know, you have that dip in effort where you get a little complacent and you stop playing at a high level for even just a little bit. Uh, any team in this NHL is going to take advantage of it. So uh, you move on and you want to put forth a good 60-minute effort against Buffalo. So after the Edmonton game, uh, just taking a look at it, uh, another strong week of play going 2-1. and one. Uh, That's good for 
four points out of six. Uh, you'll kind of take that uh, every week of the season there. The team sits at 22-8-1 and one for 45 points. Uh, the new thing that everyone likes to throw around here uh, is the points percentage at .726. That puts them first in the league. Uh, so yeah, all the statistics point in the right direction. Um, the team's looking good uh, as a lot of the uh, professionals look at it. Uh, you want to look at it in five-game segments. Uh, and, you know, statistically, this team is looking strong. They're sitting first in the Metropolitan Division with 45 points. Uh, like I said, they're first in the league in points percentage. And they're third overall in the league with points. So all things are looking good. Um, you know, just taking a look at the Metropolitan Division standings. Uh, kind of one of the first times I really took a look at it this season. It's not something I put stock into pretty much until around this time of the year. Uh, I had to check it about 16 times to see the Flyers sitting there in second place with 40 points. Uh, a team that pretty much everyone thought was going to be bottom of the league this year. So they're playing well. Uh, but that's a good sign to show that um, anything can happen. Uh, and you want to keep putting your, your foot on the gas here and make sure you're playing solid every night. Um, you know, pretty much anyone can win in any given night in this league. Uh, there's so much parity around that. You just want to keep putting forth solid efforts. Make sure you're playing your game the right way. Uh, and this team is. They're first in the league in power play percentage. Uh, fifth in PK percentage, um, and you know every every stat you look at is pretty much top ten in the league. So uh, that's a good sign. Uh, specifically, that PK percentage, the team's playing really good D. Um, you know they're defending well, they're defending hard, and that's kind of why you brought Laviolette in is to make sure you install that um, that good defensive zone game. Uh, the one three one, the team is picking up pretty well. Uh, you can see it pretty much night in, night out. Teams are having a, a hard time getting through the neutral zone on the Rangers. If it's not an odd man rush, uh, a lot of teams are dumping and chasing. So the defensive scheme is working. Um, I think Phil Housley, Dan Muse, and Michael Pekka were incredible pickups for this coaching staff. You can see their skill sets being brought to the table with the team winning more face-offs, defending harder, just playing a harder brand of hockey that they hadn't been playing uh, in a number of years. So all things considered, uh, this team's in pretty good shape. And you know, you're coming into the holiday season here where they'll get some rest, they'll play some games. Um, and we'll see where it goes. Uh, the Big West Coast trip is coming up here in January. and. Uh, I think the team's in a good spot where, you know, you just keep playing your, your game and, um, you know, it's kind of about that push for the playoffs now starting after the holiday break. So um, it's a fun time of year for a hockey fan for sure. All right, so that kind of wraps up the statistics uh, part of this episode. But I did want to revisit something out of the Boston game. Um, if you'll notice... Uh, Boston kind of re-imaged a lot of their stuff for this season. It's their 100th season in the NHL. So um, they introduced a new lineup of jerseys, uh, and they re-imaged their logo. They took a lot of the black out, and they 
replace the yellow with uh, a lot of gold trim um, since it's the 100th season. Uh, I think they look incredibly nice. Uh, I'm a jersey collector myself, so... Um, you know, I hope the Rangers do something like that when it comes up for their 100th anniversary. Uh, I think the cream color jersey that Boston introduced, kind of a throwbacky look, um, which is what they played uh, in Saturday against the Rangers in Boston, uh, looks incredible. But the, the gold and black look really nice um, on their jerseys and in their logo. Um, and it's kind of a nice touch. I haven't really noticed teams do that too much. I know Montreal had their 100th anniversary a couple years ago. I don't recall them doing anything special like that. Uh, so it's cool to see. Uh, it definitely works with the Boston jerseys uh, and their logo, just kind of their color scheme. Um, it, you know, it, I, I would kind of hope that they keep some of it, kind of like what Pittsburgh did did a couple years ago where they rebranded their their logo back to the old school logo um i think the boston logo looks incredible with without a lot of that black trim um and i would hope they keep it that way but i'm looking at it more from a rangers standpoint where their 100th anniversary is coming up in a couple seasons um I'm a little bummed that Adidas won't be the jersey manufacturer by that point. It's going to be a Fanatics jersey, um, which I'll get into at some point in a later episode. Uh, I hate that change for the NHL. I don't like the Fanatics jerseys and their quality. Uh, I think the Adidas jerseys have been great um, just as a jersey collector. So uh, a little bummed out, but I do hope the team works with Fanatics to do something special for their 100th anniversary season. I'll be looking forward to it. They can take all my money right now. Um, I'm sure they'll put something good together. I hope it's something a little more than a patch. I hope they do something along the lines of what Boston did and uh, do a throwback jersey or do, you know, do some type of thing that's that's special for a 100th anniversary for an original six franchise. Um, like I said, I'll, I'll sign me up. I'll buy it right now. Um, also along those lines, you know, it's the Christmas season. So, um, you know, a lot of gifts to get for a hockey fan. Uh, I've gotten a ton of hockey gifts over my life. Um, I love every one of them. I'm sitting in my basement right now where I have a ton of things on display, a lot of it hockey-themed. Uh, I have a lot of pucks, a lot of jerseys, a couple helmets. Um, you know, it's all great for a hockey collector like me to get something like that as a Christmas gift. But um, some of the best stuff I've gotten as Christmas gifts are just, you know, sweatshirts or um, couple of my first jerseys I remember getting as a kid um, as a Christmas gift. I, you know, I would wear them to school you know, once a week almost. Um, you know, getting that, that awesome uh, white Rangers jersey and you know, being able to just rock that at school with a, with a cool hat and, um, you know, show off my Rangers fandom to, you know, all my friends get to talk about the, get to talk about the team, about the games um, you know, just reflecting on some of the, some of the cool things I got to do as a kid. And it, you know, it all stems around some of the, uh, hockey themed gifts that I received over Christmas. Um, and, you know, just lucky to be able to have that opportunity to, um, have my parents get me into, into the sports world and, you know, support 
my likes and interests and uh, I keep that paying forward, you know, specifically to friends and family now where, you know, I like having these conversations. I like talking about the team. Um, everyone knows that I'm a fan of these teams and they'll come up and, you know, they want to have a conversation about it. So it's fun. Um, I don't have one specific gift that stands out um, that was incredible. Um I do have some jerseys that I remember getting. Uh, I got a Rick Nash Team Canada um, 2010 Olympics jersey, which was awesome. Um, so there, there's a bunch of different gifts, but in general, I think the hockey-themed gifts, just in general, are uh, some of the better gifts that I've received. So looking for this uh, this holiday season, uh, hopefully everyone has a happy holiday, whatever you celebrate. Um, and a good new year and talk to you guys next week.